talk about starting this church, why we started this church a lot. I mean, how it came to be and that sort of thing. And I, I just uh, was, as many of you know, just I never wanted to start a church. It wasn't this big plan of mine. And a lot of people told me uh, when we were, when I was directing a Bible college, I would get up and teach and share some stuff. And people would say, we need, you need to start a church. And uh, you don't have to put this up there, but Galatians 1, Paul said, it's just the introduction, but it was something that really spoke to me. He says, Paul, an apostle of God, or an apostle called of God, not of men. And that was, that always stuck out to me because Paul became an apostle because it was a calling from God on his life, not because people said it would be a good idea for him to become an apostle. And, and so I never wanted to start a church because people thought it would be a good idea or we need a grace church in the area or any of that. It had to be something that I really felt God was calling me to. And so it, it just, it, and that's the way it happened. I mean, I don't have to go into all the detail. Many of you have heard the story, but it's just a thought out of left field. I started delighting myself in the Lord. He put a, de a desire in my heart. And we, we just started to act on the, those desires. And we've learned a lot along the way, still learning a lot uh, to this day, five years in. But, and I talk about what we wanted to do, but I kind of want to take a shift because the, the way our society is right now, the things that happen in our, our country, across the world, and, and, and things get a little crazy. And first, I mean, the very first thing, what our church what I didn't want this church to be, what I felt like God was saying with the church is we're not going to be a religious church. We're not going to be like, I mean, it's, I'm not, it's nothing against other churches, but I didn't want to just be another church in the community. I wanted to, to get to know God on a different level, on a deeper level, and, and help you understand the unconditional love and grace of God. So the first thing I didn't want to be was a religious church where it's about rules or telling you how bad you're doing because you already know how bad you're doing, but you might not know your identity, your identity in him and the goodness of God. And despite all the bad that you're doing or have ever done, it doesn't change his love for you. And that's what we need to hear because you don't need another day of the week hearing a bunch of bad news or a bunch of negativity. We're surrounded by that. We're immersed in that. So let's, let's be intentional and immerse ourselves in something good. The gospel is good news. So anything other than good news is not the gospel. That's simple enough. So that was one thing I didn't want to be. But another thing, and it's kind of creeped into the church, and everyone has their own opinion, but this is how I feel about this specific church. Other churches can do it how they want. We're going to do it this way. But we are not a Republican church. And we are not a Democrat church. We are not a political church. That was something that I felt that the Lord really put on my heart starting out. We are not, I am not called to preach politics. I am called to preach kingdom. And then trust you to take that information and apply accordingly and I, I mean, I could get up here and give you my opinions. And I mean, my opinions are the right opinions. Don't get me wrong. But there's some things, I mean, there's, there's stuff without getting too into the weeds. There's stuff out there, especially what's go, what happened this week in that school. Everyone has their opinion on how we handle situations like that. And it really depends. I mean, they, I hear a lot of this phrase, common sense laws need to start happening in, in our schools. Well, what does that mean? Well, it depends on what channel you're watching. 
because common sense on one channel is something the complete opposite of what's common sense on another channel. And they're both passionate. Both sides are passionate and both sides are fighting with each other. But I'm not going to get up here and maybe 95% of this church would agree with the things that I say if I get into politics. But what about that other 5%? I'm not going to shut out half our country from hearing the good news of the gospel of grace because of my political views on things. It's just not going to happen. And I see it a lot. I hear people uh, <laughs> that get up and say, if you vote a certain way, it's impossible for you to be a Christian. I can't, I can't get on board with something like that. I'm not going to cause more division in this country when Jesus came to unite all of us. There's, no, there's, not a, or there's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free, but all are in Christ. And why in the world would the church add to the division in this country or across the world? We're not going to do it. That's not our job as a church. So maybe me and you believe a lot of those same things. I guarantee we don't agree on 100% of anything. I don't even agree with stuff that I believed a year ago. Po politically, doctrinally, we're always changing. You ever see that cartoon picture on social media where it's a butterfly and a caterpillar sitting at a table across from each other and the caterpillar says, you've changed. And the, the butterfly says, yeah, we're supposed to. So I don't look at the messages or the things that I used to believe as, wow, what a waste of time. It's like, no, we're always evolving. And I'm not the same person I was a year ago or five years ago, thank God. And hopefully a year and five years from now, I'm different than I am today. We should always be growing and changing and evolving in what, how we see God. And we're never going to get it all in our whole life. I mean, that's our, our number one priority is to seek first the kingdom and continuously seek him and get to know God on a different level. But you think you're going to completely grasp the fullness of who God is and his love for you? You think you're ever going to get to that point as long as you live? No, the answer is no. You're not gonna. You're not going to. We're never gonna get it. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna keep going. And I'm gonna encourage you to. And I've always said with this church, I'm not gonna tell you what to think. I just want you to think, and not just repeat things that you've heard in church your whole life because that's what your denomination believes or what your favorite preacher believes. I mean, I get. I get kind of cast in this shadow under. Uh, because I come from Karis Bible College, so there, and Andrew Walmack is the president of that, and I kind of get, get thrown in that, and if I say something that is different than how he teaches, people who are big fans of his say, well, Andrew doesn't teach it that way. I'm like, I don't care what Andrew says, what do you think? Like, I, I, was it last week or the week before? That was part of my message. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Is that, what, what's going to change your life isn't Andrew Walmack's opinion of who God is, my opinion of who God is. It's your own personal relationship with God that's going to change your life. And my job and this, this church's role in this society, in your life, is to point you toward that. And if you see it a little bit differently, okay, okay, you'll grow. You'll get to my level at some point. But it, it, it's, my job is to point you to Jesus. It's not to point you to me. It's not to point you even to this church. This church is here for you. Nothing else. You're not here for the church. None of that. And as your life changes, as you experience more growth and more revelation, then you'll maybe get more involved in what we're doing here because you want other people to experience what you've experienced. Because this life, I mean, this, this, this faith that we have should produce substance in your life. It's not just a feel-good message. It's not just something we talk about on Sunday morning and then go about the rest of our life. It's not, we don't separate our spiritual life from our real life. 
There's no separation. Everything can be a spiritual experience if you let God in. And if you understand, if you have that personal relationship with him, the one true God, not what, what again, what religion says, he, or who he says, who they say he is, none of that. Who do you say he is? That's all that matters. And then we can have these conversations. I'll have conversations with people about other things on a, a relational basis, but this church's role isn't to tell you who to vote for or what decisions you need to make. But hopefully, as you grow in that relationship, you'll vote the way you see fit, and you'll make decisions. Maybe you'll get involved in the community in ways that you, you never thought you would have before. That's the role of, of this church. Preaching politics doesn't change anyone's mind. No one in here, if I got up here and started hating on people that I disagree with, they're not going to be sitting here and, think, and say, you know what? <laughs> He's right. He's right. I'm going to change everything I've ever thought because this crazy guy up here is, is hating on me. It doesn't change anyone's mind. We just produce an echo chamber, and then I attract a bunch of people that already think and believe just like me, and what good is that? We're here for everybody. That's what Grace Life Church is about. I don't want an echo chamber. Some people don't want to even, I mean, to, to say that none of the, everything I say up here is my opinion. So to say I just don't throw my opinion out there, I mean, this, everything I share with you is how I perceive the scriptures to be communicating or how I see God in my life. And maybe you can see it my way or at least say, oh, man, that's something I want. Or maybe, maybe not. But at least know, it, hopefully it produces something in your life where you continuously seek the truth, seek after that, that relationship. God's with you all the time, all the time. But are you acknowledging it all the time? And that's, a, that's what I want for you. And as you do that, you involve them in your, your, your marriage and your relationships and your parenting and your work in every aspect of your life. It, all that becomes a spiritual experience and there's never a separation anymore. This is not your relationship with God. This service right now is not your relationship with God. This is a supplement to your relationship with God. And it should spark thought. I hope it gets you excited about what God's doing in your life and will continue to do. And if you feel like he's never done anything, we're going to start paying attention to the things that he's doing because he's always talking. He's always moving in our life. And as long as we are ignoring it and pretending like he only lives in this building, we're never going to experience the fullness of it. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There is substance to our faith. There's evidence to our faith. So if there's no substance or evidence to the things that you are putting your faith in, why in the world would you keep believing it? Why wouldn't you say, well, maybe what, I've been, maybe what I have been doing, I'm having trouble this morning, is that third cup of coffee. But I... <laughs> maybe what I've been doing is wrong. Are we willing to admit to ourselves, be brutally honest with ourselves that maybe if, things, if, if our faith is supposed to bring substance and evidence and I'm not seeing any of it, maybe I'm missing it somewhere. I'm not saying you're going to uh, bat a thousand. You're going to get sick. You're going to have things happen. And even people get real spiritual with that. Oh, don't you confess that over me. So like, but as long as we're ignoring the problems and not admitting that we are going to go through something in the world, you will have trials and tribulations and frustrations and distress. As, uh, as long as we're ignoring those things, we're never going to get over the problem. All we have to do is admit that some things are going to happen to us in this life, but then magnify the truth over that. We can say, yeah, I'm going to battle some stuff. I continuously battle things uh, in my life, but 
I know the will of God in this situation. I know that he wants me well. I know that he wants me to live an abundant life in Christ. And so, yes, I'm going through this right now, but this is going to end. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not camping out there. I'm not going to stop here. I'm not going to get knocked down and just set up camp and live this life in the darkness. Why in the world would we do that? <sighs> am I talking fast today? <laughs> I feel like I'm... Our faith produces substance, and there's evidence to it. I really, I've used this, both of these a lot, but the amplified of this is something that has spoke to me. Russell's not here today, but he has, he has this uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 tattooed on his arm, and I'm like, I want the amplified, but I don't have enough room. But They're preaching about tattoos at that church. All right. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. The title deed means you are an, the owner of it. You possess the title deed of these things. All the promises of God. You're an heir to the promise. Everything you need for life and godliness is within you. You are a possessor of the kingdom. The title deed of the things ho we hope for. The word hope here isn't hope like we normally think of it, where I, I really hope things happen. I really hope I get that healing. I really hope I get that, that breakthrough. I really hope my life changes. No, in Greek, this word means a positive expectation. If you are the, the heir of the promise and you have the title deed to all these things, you shouldn't hope that things change. You should expect them to. You're a child of God. You're royalty. You're more powerful than you realize. Stop hoping. Start expecting. Being proof of the things we do not see in the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I have been stuck on that for about a year and a half. And, and if we could just stop allowing the outside to infe infect, I guess you could say that as well, but affect the inside. We got to live from the inside out. Faith perceiving as real fact what's not revealed to the senses, the outside, the flesh. And if, if, as long as we're listening to all the division and the hate in our society, we're going to be swayed by that. We're going to be making decisions based on fear and frustration and anger and division. And we're never going to experience the fullness of the kingdom because we're living by our senses, what we see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. But 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We have a sixth sense of faith that we can live by, where, where it doesn't matter what we see, taste, touch, smell, or hear, because we know the truth. We have a relationship with the truth, and we've been set free by the truth. And yeah, we might stumble sometimes, but we're not staying down. We know these things. And that's why this church exists, because when you stumble, when you have a hard time, when you're going through something, you have a community right here to help pick you up when you can't pick yourself up. That's why this church exists. We, but we live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. The evidence in the substance isn't going to happen automatically. Wouldn't that be nice? Because we talk about the finished work of the cross all the time. It is finished. You're already a possessor of this stuff, so why don't we just automatically experience it? Well, there's this whole process of it, and this is what I really want us to focus on at this church. Because our goal is evidence, it's substance. It's, there's something to this relationship, not just a feel-good message on Sunday morning. Romans 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
Now this has been, I mean, a lot of people interpret this meaning different things, but faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So this church, the, the main focus of this church is you. It's this community. But if we could all get together, faith comes by hearing. That's what this is about right here. And it comes by hearing the word of God. And again, everyone has different ideas of what this is, but in John 1, it tells us what the Word of God is. So it's not just about memorizing Bible verses and, and learning lots of Bible trivia, because you can win at Bible trivia, but still lose at life. And God doesn't want you to just win, have a lot of Bible knowledge. We played, uh, uh, what's that game called? What did we just play? Trivial Pursuit the other night, and I crushed it, man. I was like, I'm really smart. If you don't know how smart I am, just, and I'm humble, humble and smart. And funnier than y'all think I am. But I, it's not about just knowledge. Because when the, the Bible talks a lot about knowledge, but the word doesn't mean just this intellectual knowledge. It's not about memorizing a lot of stuff. Some of you might not have a lot of Bible knowledge. And if I said, I want you to preach for me next Sunday, you'd be like, well, I don't know everything from Genesis to Revelation. I don't have it, have it all. It, it, it's, but it's not about memorizing scripture. It's not about knowing every story in here. It's about knowing the heart of God, the word of God. And that's, that's what it's talking about here. The word of God. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. That's very important for us to understand that all things were made through him. We're very, very good in the church at finding the devil in everything. But it says that everything was made in him. How about we start looking for Christ in everything? That person that you hate, God loves that person. So why don't you find Christ in that person and bring that, tell them that they are loved. They don't, they're acting the way that they're acting because they don't know who they are. And if, as long as we keep dividing ourselves over silly political issues or social issues or religious issues, they're never going to discover it. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians somewhere, five, I think, uh, that our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job. It's to go out there and tell people how God feels about them, that they are reconciled to the Father, that he is not holding their sins against them. Now they need to put their faith in that, trust in that, because you just don't know. You are loved unconditionally by the Father. Every single person is, for God so loved the world. Not just the people that loved him back. That doesn't make any sense because he said the people that were literally crucifying him on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That doesn't sound like hate to me. I'm fired up today. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him, was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness can... Uh, did not comprehend it. Jump down to verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's a lot of powerful stuff in here that I'm not going to be able to get to this morning. But the point I want to make is Jesus is the word of God. And that word in Greek for word, the word for word is logos. It's where we get the word logic from. Logic. Jesus came to logically show us who God is. God is spirit. Nobody had ever seen God before, so he put flesh to the spirit to reveal who 
God truly is. God with a bod. God with a bod. That's who Jesus is. If you want to know the heart of God on any matter, look no further than Jesus. How did he treat the sinner? Who did he treat the worst of the worst? Who did he treat, or how did he treat all these people that we in our society separate from? Because they don't believe and act just like us. That's not the heart of God at all. And that's not how Jesus treated people. I like the New Living Translation of Romans 10, 17, because I think it, it, it translates it more along these lines. So, then, uh, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. That's what we do here. The gospel, the good news, this is who he is. He came to bring clarity to what every, all of mankind forever just had these little pieces of who God was, and Jesus brought us the fullness of it. So before the cross, before the resurrection, there was a lot of misunderstanding about who God is. We could see that in the book of Job. That's a good example. Job said a lot of things that we like to quote at funerals. The Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he blames, puts all this blame on God for all the bad things. If you don't know who Job is, I apologize. I'm not getting into it today. But a lot of bad stuff happened to Job, and he put all this blame on God, saying, and then his friends come in and say, yeah, you sinner. Why would you expect anything else to happen? Look at your life. Look at how, how, much, how, how often you fall short. But if you keep reading, God himself presents, he presents himself to Job and says, why are you saying things you know nothing about? I think it's Job 41 or 42, if you want to look it up. So we have all these chapters of Job putting all this blame on God, and God comes and says, you don't even know what you're talking about, bro. But we can pluck these, these verses out and say them at funerals and put all this guilt and condemnation on people because they're not acting a certain way. So there's things we have to read the context. We have to understand the heart behind it. And that's why I say it doesn't matter if you know every little story in this. What's the heart of God? Talk about that. What's the heart of God in your situation? If I said, Thomas, I want you to preach for me next week, you talk about that. How is this real to you? Because how you say it's going to be different than how I say it, and maybe the way you say it will resonate with somebody in ways that I can't resonate with them. So it's just, I think we get hung up on, on a lot of this stuff, but just to back up what I'm saying here, this is uh, Hebrews 1. Starting in verse 1, this is a J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, God who gave our forefathers many different glimpses of truth in the words of the prophet has now at the end of this present age given us the truth in the Son. Through the Son, God made the whole universe. And to the Son, he has ordained that all creations shall ultimately belong. This Son, radiance of the glory of God, flawless expression of the nature of God, himself, the upholding principle of all that is, affected in person the reconciliation between God and man, and then took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, thus proving himself by the more glorious name that he has won, far greater than all the angels of God. 
So when we talk about now faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that's what we're talking about. We're, I'm, my job as the pastor of this church is to point you to the word of God, the logic, God's thoughts toward you revealed in Christ. Where some people have just had glimpses of truth, we have the full picture because we live in a time after the cross. They were looking forward to something, but now we can look back and see that it is finished. We, what a time to be alive, right? It's so, everything's so much clearer. And when you get that and you understand that, man, I, Christ is in me. And as he is, so am I in this world. That means the way I walk through this world is going to change. So faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. Faith, it's, this is more than just a feel-good message. Faith produces something. So you hear it, and that produces faith. And then you act on what you believe. And then as you act on it, you'll get the results you're looking for and the results that you're created to. So you hear it, you believe it, you act on it, and you get results from it. And that's this process. And then we're continuously understanding what's the heart of God in, in this situation right now? Because the Bible's not going to say, I want you to move from Colorado down to Houston. You're not going to get that by opening your Bible. You have to understand the spirit of God revealed in Christ, have that relationship with him, and then you just get this desire. You just get this, this knowing on the inside of you. It's not necessarily, I'm not saying this isn't possible, but it's not necessarily this audible voice saying, move, take that job. Don't take that, that, that thing that looks like a good opportunity. Don't do that. It, it's not, more than likely, it's not going to be that. It's just inward knowing, and you just pursue it. The worst case scenario is it was just your own thought and you missed it. And guess what? There's still grace for that. There's an abundance for grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Don't put that pressure on yourself to get it right all the time. But I, would, I will say put, we need to put a little bit more pressure on ourselves to act. If you really believe it, you're going to act on it. I was talking about my message. I was preaching at my kids this morning before we came to church. And... and uh, I, was, I told them, if I had an envelope and I said, there's $100 in this envelope, but you didn't believe me, you thought I was lying about it, and I said, the first one of you to come up here and grab this envelope will get the $100, but none of you believed it, what would you do? Nothing. You don't truly believe it. I'm telling you, but there's no faith behind it. But if you really believed it, what would you do? And they said, fight off these other kids. You know, I would tackle the, the, my brothers and sisters to, to get that, that money. If you truly believe it, you're going to act on it. I didn't give you this uh, in James uh, 2, 18. Let's see if I can beat you. Yes. Oh, it was a tie. Some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Next slide. You believe that there's one God and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So I used to read that passage and think, well, I need to work really hard to prove my faith. I want the world to see that I believe. But that's not what it's saying. Faith without works is dead. Your faith is going to produce works. If you're not acting on what you say you believe, I would question your faith in what you're saying. And I have to do, I mean, it doesn't mean that maybe, maybe yesterday you were on fire and you just believed it and you were on, you're on point, but for whatever reason, you're either distracted or busy or 
you stop being intentional. There's a number of reasons. But if your actions aren't following what you know to be true, seek first the kingdom. That's our priority. Labor into that rest, the rest of God. Build that relationship, and you will see your actions change. Now, grace, we always say, it's not about your performance. God loves you regardless. But you can look at your performance. Your performance and your works are evident of what you believe. So don't look at your works as something you need to do in order to be pleasing to God or to earn something from God or be accepted by God. But you can look at it as a gauge of, where's my faith at today? Emphasis on today. Where am I at today? Because I'm letting the world knock me around. I, I admit, this week, whenever the, the school shooting and all that stuff happened, I got wrapped up in it, and I got mad. And I was, I was emotional. And, and, and all this, I was just in a bad place, and I had to get to a point where it's like, I can't consume my mind with this right now. I don't want to be ignorant to everything, but I just, it wasn't producing anything good for me at that moment. I have to, if, if I could labor into that rest, then I can approach those things, and maybe we can make a difference, or maybe there's something that we can do to help, but, but I, I, got, I, I do get wrapped up in the news and politics if I'm not careful, so I have to be intentional of separating myself from that stuff, because it doesn't do anything for me, but faith if you look at your works and realize that that's what I believe, I'm acting the way I'm acting because that's what I truly believe. Because as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And they're acting out there. So, I mean, I don't like that division, us versus them. But the people that, that are, aren't living up to your standard of holiness, whatever that might be, because that's different with every single person in here, they're not living up to my level. Well, they, they, they just don't know. If they knew who they were, they would act differently. And we could go down this rabbit hole that I won't today, but what does that even mean? Because things that are convictions to you that you would consider sin, maybe I don't. And maybe things in this country that we consider really bad aren't that bad in other countries and vice versa. So we're all kind of, we're, we're preaching against personal convictions more than biblical sin. And the real thing, or the only thing we need to be preaching is Jesus in a relationship with him because he reveals the true heart of the Father. Am I making sense today? I feel like maybe I've offended everybody because we might need it. Faith comes by hearing the good news. You hear it, and maybe you don't have all the answers, especially if you have a lot of Bible knowledge. You don't have the knowledge, but how many times have you heard the truth? Or you've heard, I shouldn't say it that way, you've heard something. You're like, I don't have the answers for that, but that's, I know that's the truth. I just can't, I don't have the answers yet. That's a good place to be. It's okay. We don't have to have all the answers. We'll spend the rest of our lives getting the answers. But just allow the Spirit of God to, re don't fight it off because, well, that's different than my favorite preacher. That's, that's different than my denomination. You'll find the answers. Every time, I, I know that God is good. I know that God is love. I know that perfect love casts out all fear. That's my starting place. For God so loved the world. And then I, I hear something. Or I've, I know there's, there's maybe a story in Scripture. It's like, that doesn't make God look like this loving Father that, that we say he is. And then I go, because I know the truth, that he is love. The most basic level. And then I go approach it with that lens, and I see it in ways and the Holy Spirit reveals things to me. 
and I'll see it in a whole new way where it, maybe it looks like God's out to be the bad guy and making people do some horrible things. And you say, wait a second, wait a second. And you get clarity on it. Every single time I've done that, there's an answer for it. But we just need to know that God is love. And so faith comes by hearing the good news and then, the, the, then you believe it and that produces action and action produces results. A good example of this is in Mark 5, this is the, the woman with the issue of blood. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came, hold on, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She heard of Jesus, produced action, action produced results. She heard, she moved, she got results. A lot of times in the church, we become the frozen chosen. We're just marking the, the church box off, feel good about ourselves, a good little Christian. And when your people say, well, what, what religion are you? I'm a Christian. And that's all. That's, that's the depth of our relationship with God. And there's no results. We just come here to feel better about ourselves. It's like, no, this, this should produce action and it should produce results. Not to earn it, but to experience it. Substance of the things hoped for. It goes on to say in verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing himself in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Like, bro, there's, there's a lot of people here. Everyone's touching you. It's kind of funny. When, yeah, whenever you put yourself in this situation. I think we read these stories sometimes and over-spiritualize it, but he's in this crowded place. Everyone's touching him, but the one who touched him, he felt the, the power come from him. And I think about that, that group of people. You think she's the only one with an issue? You don't think there's some back pain in that room? I like it when the prophet gets up here and is like, oh, someone has knee pain in here. It's like 30% of the people have knee pain. You know, it's like, <laughs> I feel like someone is stressed, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, everyone in that room probably had something going on in their life. But he didn't feel the power come out by just bumping into him. But it was her faith that produced action. There was intentionality behind what she was doing there. The substance and the evidence isn't going to happen automatically. We have to be intentional in seeking Jesus in our life. He's there. We, uh, it's a, I'll just say it. Hebrews 13, 5, you don't have to put it, but it just says, look it up in the Amplified specifically. I will never leave you and forsake you. I will not, I will not, I will not ever leave you. Put it up there, my goodness because I butchered it, but the point was made. The spirit behind it was made. I haven't memorized it. It's the second half of it. Um, we'll start down here. 
For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you? Assuredly not. We get in our head, well, I'm smoking my cigarette, so God's not around right now. Or I got drunk last night, and God's not around. Or I got in a fight with my spouse today on the way to church, and then we got to put our little church face on, but God's not really present in my life. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. He's with you in the box with a fox on a train in the rain. He's with you every single step of the way. Are you acknowledging his presence? Are you, so when I say he's see, to seek out that relationship, seek out his presence, I'm not saying he's off in the distance somewhere. He's right here within you. you have, you're a possessor of the kingdom, and you have the king of that kingdom within you all the time. So acknowledge that. Just acknowledge it. Now let's go back to that, that previous uh, story. It says in verse 32, he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. So, we, I mean, in, especially in our church and people, a grace church, you don't need more faith. You have the faith of Christ on the inside of you. But that doesn't, it, it's so... But that doesn't mean, I think we don't emphasize faith enough sometimes. Because yes, you have it. You have all of it you'll ever need, but are you using it? It's like some of us have, we all have the same muscles, but have we worked those muscles out? Faith is a muscle. Some of us are stronger than others. Doesn't mean you don't have it or the ability to grow in it, but it's still, it's, we have to act on it. But it's not, it's not his, his, burden is easy. His yoke is light. You know, and so it's not this, I need to work to prove my faith. It's saying my works are reflecting what I truly believe. And right now I can believe a little bit because this is overwhelming to me. I can grasp a piece of the truth. And then when I get that, then I can grow and grow and grow. I think that God wants us all to, I think, I mean, if we are already possessor of the kingdom and everything you need for life and godliness, I think it's all right there. And if, it, if we were just in God's perfect plan and if we could just wrap our mind around that reality, I think we could experience all of it right now. Some people say, well, God withholds a little bit until you prove yourself worthy and then he gives you a little more. And if he gives it to, to all to you at, at the same time, you just kill yourself. So God in his grace is withholding from you. I don't believe that for a second. Everything you need for life and godliness is within you, but we are human. And the renewing of the mind is a process. So it's just a natural progression. Don't over-spiritualize it. Just say, it's all here. And I always use the great example of a million dollars. And if God wants you to have a million dollars or a billion dollars, but you just can't wrap your mind around it, but I can believe for a hundred. God wants you to have a billion, but I just, I'm not there. It's all right. Just seek him believe for 100, then 500, then 1,000, then 10,000, 100,000, and just build from there. That's just how our mind works. God's not withholding from you. He wants you to live an abundant life in Christ. And so we're always seeking, we're always knocking, we're always pursuing that relationship. That's our only job. So my job at this church is to present that reality to you. And a lot of times I'm going to say the extreme version. This is 100%. 
This is what God wants for you. You never get sick another day in your life. You never have lack or need ever again. That's, that's the perfect plan. But then you take that and say, okay, I'm going to start moving in that direction, little by little. And then big. And just keep going. That's, that's the human experience. And that's why this church exists. So we're not going to preach division. We're not going to preach politics. I'm not going to tell you my opinion on how I think this country needs to be ran. Because, again, a few years ago, I thought very differently. The truth is, I don't like any of them. <laughs> Left, right, I don't care. But it's just, I, it's not my job. This church's job, it, this specific one, the church down the street, or the one that you get, when you get mad at me and you go to another one, maybe their, play, their idea is politics. But this one is not. This is kingdom, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants for you. Heaven on earth, not heaven somewhere someday. An inheritance is meant to be experienced after someone else dies, not after you die. You don't need your healing in heaven. You need it now. Salvation is for today. Eternal life is for today. It says in John 17, 17 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you. We don't have to wait till we die to get to know them. We, eternal life starts now, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's why Grace Life Church exists. Amen.